Well, as we continue this series this morning, uh, we said last week, everybody likes to win. We, we all like to win. And we learn from a very young age, we learn this. Finders, keepers, losers, what? Weepers, right. Not sweepers. <laughs> Weepers, right? Which, if someone says that to you, I, I searched really hard this week on the internet to find a really deep intellectual uh, quote that is just going to throw them off because it's so intellectual. So if they say that to you, then here's what you can say back. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Stick your head in doo-doo. And I mean, you're going to have them. You've got it. So there's your intellectual quote for the day. Put that on Pinterest, by the way, or Facebook. You'll, everybody will share it. You'll be famous. So Nobody likes to lose. None of us like to lose. And yet, it seems to me as Christ followers, if you're a Christ follower, it often feels like for us that we are signing up to lose if we're choosing to follow Christ. It can make us feel alone. It can make us feel isolated. It can make us feel like everyone around us is getting ahead, except we have signed up to lose. Now, even Ted Turner he agrees with this. Now, Ted Turner, he's the one who, uh, who started CNN, and he started TNT, and a whole lot of other TV stations. This is what Ted Turner arrogantly said. This is what he said, and I'm quoting, Christianity, he said, is a religion for losers. Wow, that stings, doesn't it? I mean, that, that makes me kind of mad just to hear it. And and it makes me defensive when I hear that. Those words are discouraging. I, I, I don't like that. And as a Christ follower, it does seem like we're signing up to lose. Now, Ted Turner, when he said that, meant that as a very extreme and harsh put down. But maybe, just maybe, he's actually a little bit close to the truth. Now, Jesus was very upfront. With those that he was inviting to follow him, Jesus was up front. Here's what he said in Luke 9, 24. We said last week, if you try to hang on to your life or if you try to keep it, he said, you will lose it. But if you give up my, your life, in other words, if you lose your life, if you give it up for my sake, he said, you will save it or you will find it, right? Jesus is revealing something about our culture that we live in, that we kind of have it backwards, it's not finders, keepers, losers, weepers. No, nope. Jesus said that's not it at all. It, it's, it's really this. His version, his understanding, his view, his perspective is this. If you want to win at life, he says it's losers, finders, keepers, weepers. Or you can just simply... Go with culture and the way everything is around us and do what they say and you can keep your life. And Jesus says you'll end up losing it. Now, at a second glance, there is actually some of this that goes on. Our culture is not all finders, keepers, losers, weepers. There is this aspect in our culture of losers, finders, keepers, weepers, but it's very subtle. You don't, you don't notice it as easily. 
but it's true that someone can choose to lose at a very specific place over time because they know eventually they will win in that area. Let me, let me give you an example. Perhaps someone chooses to lose their overtime because they know, they know for their family at this time, their family needs them more. And so they choose to lose their overtime, but they're actually winning in the future because they have invested that time with their family. That's one example. Here's another example. Maybe someone willingly turns down a promotion at work because they know it's going to take them away from the home for many, many weeks out of the year on business. And maybe they know for them and their family at this time, for this family, they know their presence and their influence at home is what their kids need the most right now in their home. So maybe they choose to turn down the promotion so they lose. But then they actually win because they're setting themselves up with their children for a win in the future. You can see it sometimes as they say, you know what, I need to make... Maybe a student decides to lose because they say, you know what, I need to make better grades. I, I need to study more. I, I, I need to even learn on my own more than what I'm being taught in the classroom. I need to go learn on my own some. And so they're losing because in order to do that, they're having to turn down video games some hangout time, and extra sleep, right? So they're deciding to lose, but in the future they have a win because they do better on their ACT, and then following that are scholarships. They choose a loss now in order to have a win later. Even parents. A parent can choose as well. They can choose to be a loser finder. A parent can do that maybe through discipline, starting at a very young age with a child. About the time that child is, is uh, recognizing their name, maybe that parent says they're ready to begin learning discipline. And maybe it increases through the preschool years and through the elementary years and into junior high. And then in high school, they really have them there and they're disciplined. But they have to choose to lose in order to do that. Do you know what they're losing? Well, one thing they're losing is they don't get to be the fun parent. <laughs> they don't get to be the fun parent. Because discipline is tough. And it's hard. It is not easy. It's a whole lot easier just to maybe say yes or just to be the fun parent. It's a whole lot easier just to ignore things that we know our child needs more discipline in, but just to ignore it and say, oh, it's okay, we'll deal with that later, or it's going to be all right, and we just push it to the side. Until that moment that it builds up so much pressure in the, in the family and in the parent that the parent one day finally explodes on that child. It's a whole lot easier just to do that than it is to consistently discipline that child and raise that child. But you know what the payoff, if a parent chooses to lose, if they choose to not be the fun parent, if they choose to not, to, if they choose to be consistent in that discipline, you know what the payoff is? 
Because they're going to lose for years and years. That parent's going to lose. But do you know what the payoff is? The win? Later, it's a huge win. They have a child who's polite. They have a child who learns to serve others. They have a child who develops a heart of kindness. They have a child who grows up with a great work ethic. They have a child who knows how to submit to authority. If you want to keep a job, you'll learn to submit to authority. They have a child who submits to authority, a child who learns how to respect others. That is a huge payoff. But the parent has to choose to lose for many years. Here's another example. Now, I've been told this. I'm going to have to go with research on this one. I don't know it firsthand. I've been told that if you eat right, and if you get 30 minutes of, of your heart rate elevated three times a week with exercise, that you'll have a better, longer-lasting, better life. I'm just going to have to go with research on that one. I don't know. I'm going to have to try it. I'm, maybe I'll get back with you and let you know what I find out. Last week we said this. Every one of us is going to lose in different ways. We're going to lose in different ways. The point is we are all going to lose, every single one of us, in some way, in some areas in our lives. It is true. It's going to happen. And if that is true, then we said this. Why not pick, why not select a handful, a few areas in our lives that are very important, very significant, critical, key areas, just a few of them. Pick those areas, and in those areas, select on the front end some ways that we choose to lose so that later in those important areas, we can win really big so that we can be a loser finder like Jesus described or we can just kind of go with the flow of life go with what's around us and we can become a keeper weeper the truth is every one of us loses some way the question is are you willing to choose the areas in which you'll lose. Where will you choose? Choose to lose so that later you can win big. Or will we make a choice just to hang on to what we have that's going to cause us to lose later? Now, since Jesus introduced this concept to us of the loser finder, why don't we go back to another story where Jesus is involved and let's look at how he kind of reveals this again and we're going to do that but let me give you kind of the context of what's going on here here's the context of today's story Jesus had a cousin his name was John they called him John the baptizer and apparently Jesus and John were very close they were very close because when Jesus got word that John had been executed, Jesus, it, it impacted him. It moved him deeply. And so Jesus, 
he had been around a lot of people, and he, when he got that word, he needed to get away. He wanted to get away from the people. He wanted to get away from his disciples. He needed to be alone. He, he was extremely moved when he got that. And so he was trying to get alone, trying to get away from everybody, but there were so many people gathered, and so many were still arriving. There were thousands, thousands of people. Jesus looks and he sees all of these needs around him and he chooses to lose in that moment and he 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 chooses to lose his comfort his peace of mind his and even his emotional strength he sets that aside and he begins to love the people around him he begins to serve them thousands of people and he begins to heal one by one healing people who were sick and yet Jesus was needing, needing to be alone. But he sets all of that aside and he begins to interact with thousands and thousands of people. This goes on all throughout the day. And it begins to get late. Nobody has eaten all day long. I can imagine they're physically exhausted. And can you imagine how exhausted Jesus is? The disciples come and say, hey, listen, we really need to send all these people home so we can go eat. <laughs> Jesus, let's go eat. And Jesus is like, no, 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 we don't need that. You go feed them. And like, well, Jesus, we can't do it. We don't, we don't have any food. And by this time, there are almost 15,000 people gathered around Jesus. This is enormous. This is a big deal. Jesus says, well, you go take care. Go, go find some food. So they go out and they search and they bring back one little lunch box from a little boy that has just really enough food for that little boy. And they say, Jesus, this is all we have. There's 15,000 people and they have this little lunch box. And Jesus said, all right, stand back. Here we go. Jesus takes that little meal with bread and some fish and he takes that bread, takes the fish and he multiplies it. They send it out. The disciples pass it out, distribute it among the people, and everyone has something to eat. And they don't just have something to eat. The Bible says they have enough that they are full. They are done eating. They don't want more. They're finished. They're full. From that one little bitty meal, they fed 15,000 people, and this was a big deal. Everyone knew what was happening. They saw it with their own eyes. This was something so big that only God could do this. They knew this. This was a big deal. It was huge. And a murmuring began to happen throughout these 15,000 people, and it began to spread, and it began to grow. Not a bad one. It was a good one. They were like, we need to make Jesus our king. Jesus is our Messiah. He's our king. And they wanted right there on the spot to make Jesus king of Israel. That's a great thing, but it wasn't part of God's plan, not at this time, not in this way. And Jesus knew it because that's his plan. He's God. He knew it, 
and he wasn't going to let it happen. So these 15,000 people are kind of getting into a fury They're in, in a good way. They're wanting to make Jesus the king. Jesus has to act quickly so that this doesn't go down. He can't let this happen. He's not going to let this happen. And so he takes all 12 of the disciples and he puts them in a boat very quickly. He sends them into a boat. He makes them get in a boat and he pushes them off into this great lake. Now this is a great lake about... It's about 10 miles from one shore to the next shore. So it's a big lake. Just barely can see the other side. You can see on the horizon about 10 miles, and that's about what they can see. Just barely see the other side of the lake. He puts them in, and he sends them out. And then the Bible tells us that then Jesus goes and quickly deals with the crowd. And, and, and he talks with them, and we don't know what Jesus said to them to calm them down and to get them back where he needed them to be so they weren't going to make him king. He talks them down, and the Bible says he says goodbye to them, sends them away. So Jesus ended this little furious thing that was going on, them wanting to make him king. The disciples, he got them out very quickly, pushed them out into the water. And he sends them off, and they're on their way to the other side. And here's how this goes down. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately after this, this is after they wanted to make him king, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. And then he sent the people home. So he settles them down, sends them home. Verse 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Finally... Jesus gets some alone time, some peace and quiet. Finally, he gets a moment to grieve and probably weep, and he's uh, about his, the loss of his cousin. He gets, and then he gets to be refreshed as well. He's alone. So then it says, night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24, meanwhile, so meanwhile, back on the lake, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So they had been in the boat fighting to make it across. You see, Jesus put them in the boat so that they could be safe from what was happening on the land, and he pushed them out into the water. Jesus put them safely in the boat to get them away. That's why he put them there. They head out towards the other side. Now, it, from one side of this great lake to the other side, it's about a two-hour uh, boat ride for these guys because they're, you know, they were, many of them, they were pretty handy with the boat. About two hours from one side to the other. But this is eight hours later, and they've only made it to about halfway. They should have been halfway in one hour. They're halfway in eight hours because it's not good. They, when they left, it was good. But now it is not good. Eight hours later, they're about in the middle. And this is a serious situation now. Very serious. You see, the boat, as they left land, the boat represented for them safety. That was a safe place to get away. That was safety. Now, it's not safe at all. They're in the middle, eight hours later, and it doesn't look very hopeful. It doesn't look very hopeful. The boat is no longer 
safe. The boat that was comfortable as they left is no longer comfortable. Now it's uncertain and now it's dangerous. And suddenly, the boat that they wanted in to get away, suddenly they don't want to be in the boat anymore. I mean, this is not what we signed up for, Jesus. I, I, I don't want to be in the boat now. I mean, it was great. We were safe. We were getting away, and it was, we were kind of on task and on your plan, but I don't want to be in here anymore. The boat that represented for them safety now is not safe. The boat that represented for them freedom is now struggle and a fight. They were just struggling to stay afloat at this point. It was uncertain. It was dangerous. In the beginning, they wanted in the boat to get away, but now they don't. They want out of the boat. I can imagine them thinking this. Fellas, why, why exactly are we in the boat? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, Jesus put us in the boat. Um, by the way, uh, where, where is Jesus? Oh, right. Jesus is, he's on the land, safe on the land we're here in the boat I can imagine them thinking Jesus get me out of the boat I, I, I don't want to be in the boat any longer here's how it plays out in Mark 6 verse 48 Jesus saw that they were in serious trouble rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves about 3 o'clock in the morning Again, eight hours later, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. I like how Mark says he intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, he, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. Oh, it's a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. In that moment, you see, they all wanted out of the boat, and then they saw someone walking on the water and they were terrified suddenly they want to stay in the boat they they don't want out of the boat anymore suddenly they're safe again inside the boat they don't want out anymore they don't want out there on the water with whatever's walking out there whatever's going on out there they want to now stay in the boat they wanted out of the boat not anymore they want to stay in the boat. Matthew chapter 14 continues with verse 46. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear, and they cried out, It's a ghost! You see, the boat was uncomfortable. It was sinking, but not now. Now, what was so horrible... When they compare it to what's out there, now this is pretty good now. I, I think we'll be okay. I kind of like the boat now. Verse 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Oh. Oh, it, it's, it's you, Jesus? Whew. Wowzy. 
Jesus, you had us scared there. <laughs> That's a good one, Jesus. <laughs> good one, huh, Matthew? Peter. That's a good one, Peter. He really got us good. Peter? Pete? Verse 28, then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. And Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. Peter stepped out of the boat. He was in the boat with all the other fellas, and he stepped out. Out of the boat, and he actually walked on the water. Now get this. Everyone else was inside the boat. But Peter was willing to step out of his comfort. He was willing to step away from everything at that moment that meant safety, even though just moments before everyone wanted out of the boat. Right now, only Peter wanted out. Everybody else was safe, comfortable with what they knew was already a horrible, bad situation, but they didn't, they thought this is still better than what's out there. And Peter steps out of the boat away from what he knew was comfortable, away from what he knew was safe, away from what he knew he could expect, what he knew was okay, what he knew, okay, I, can, I know how bad it is, but I can live with this. I don't know what's out there, but Peter stepped out into out there. Out there. That's where he went. He stepped out of his comfort. He left it behind. Just walked out. When he did, he left 11 people in here. 11 people stayed in the boat. 11 people never walked on water. Ever. Not one of those guys ever walked on water. And no one since then ever has. Except Peter. Who stepped out. Now, maybe... You grew up hearing this story in church or as a child. And maybe you're saying, Harley, yes, he won. Yay, Peter won. But you're not telling them the rest of the story, Harley, because I know there's more. It doesn't stay up here like, yay, Peter wins. And you're right. So I'm going to tell you the rest of the story. Here we go. Peter did step out of the boat. And Peter, yes, he did walk on water. That's not where it ends. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. 
He said, save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and he grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith. Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Now, I like how Mark, he brings something very important to the forefront now. Listen to how Mark describes this in verse 51. Then he climbed, talking about Jesus and Peter, then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. And they, these 11 guys here, plus Peter, they were totally amazed. Now, that seems normal, right, to be amazed at Jesus? But here's the question. Really? Why, why did this surprise them? Why did this thing here, this action, this scene, this scenario, why did that surprise them? Did they not just see Jesus? Do something that only God could do. He fed with a very small meal, 50. Up close to 15,000 people. And yet this amazed them. Why did it amaze them? They saw Jesus do what only God could do over and over and over again. And yet they were amazed. They didn't think he'd do it. They didn't expect him to do it. Listen to what Mark says about why they were amazed. This is very significant. It's a very, very fine point. Do not miss this. Verse 52. For they, I believe here speaking of the 11, they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves that was back there when Jesus divided the bread and the fish, the miracle of the loaves, they didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. They weren't connecting things. What was happening here was here. What had happened there, oh, that was back there. And in this phrase, God links together these two events. God is saying... What happened here has something to do with what happened there. And do you know what the common denominator is? It's Jesus. It is God. What happened here and what happened there. These men saw what only God could do. They saw it over there, and guess what? They didn't expect God to show up here. They didn't think he would. They did not connect what was happening here to what had happened on land. They didn't connect the events. You see, over there, that was over there. And guess what? The disciples were probably thinking, hey, Jesus, we want to send them home. We're going to go eat. Let's send them home. When Jesus multiplied that food, the disciples easily could be thinking, hey, that's for them. Jesus, you did a great thing for them. Wow, Jesus, that was huge. That was big. You really were God for them. You really were. Way to go, Jesus. You did that for them. But over here, over here, they were in the hot seat themselves 
The pressure was on for them, themselves, right here in this moment, in this spot. Now they had the big need, the huge need. Now they needed God to show up here. That, that was for them. Not us. Jesus, we didn't really need that. That was for them. Here, they didn't connect the events. Jesus could be God over here, but when they were in the hot seat, when the pressure was on for them, they didn't believe Jesus could be God. Huh. You see, this is about my comfort. That was about them being comfortable and having some food. This is about my comfort, my safety. Am I going to make it? Jesus, I know you did that over there, but I'm not sure you're going to show up over here. That was good for them, Jesus, but hey, hey, this is scary out here. And suddenly the very boat that they wanted out of, they wanted to leave, it was sinking, they didn't want to be there. Suddenly, when Jesus shows up, they get scared. And they want to stay in the boat. Suddenly this thing that represented danger and fear and harm suddenly was now very comfortable. But not all of them felt that way. One out of the twelve connected the dots. This event with that event. And Peter jumped out of the boat and he left his comfort and he went out into the unknown. Don't miss this point. The very thing, the very thing that was terrifying them, the very thing that was scaring them, they were about to sink in the boat in the storm. The very thing that was uncomfortable for them, this boat in the storm, it was uncomfortable. They were afraid. It was about to be ripped apart. It was frightening. This boat could not keep them safe any longer. They knew it. It couldn't keep them safe. What was uncomfortable, what was scary, quickly, in a moment, became their comfort. It became what they wanted. It became where they stayed. What they held on to. Don't miss this. What comfort... Have you been holding on to? And in doing so, you've been missing your walk with Jesus. For some of us, we've been holding on to something that is terrifying. Something that is terrifying, but yet we've decided it is our comfort, even though we know it's terrifying. Maybe it's a dangerous relationship. 
a relationship that you know is outside of what God wants for your life, but you've been hanging on to that relationship, even though you know it's dangerous and you know it's headed nowhere but destruction and hurt and harm, but yet you hang on to it. You hold on to it. Perhaps it's a habit. If you're related to me, maybe an eating habit. Or maybe for you it's a self-medicating habit. Or it could be a pornography habit. Or a substance habit. It may even be something, something as simple as a spending habit. It could be a flirting habit or an imagination habit. And we know that it should be terrifying. We should be saying, I am out of here. I want out of this, away from this. I want to leave this. This choice is going to sink me. I should want out. There should be all kinds of alarms going off in our lives saying, stay away from this, get out of this, move away from this, leave this. But instead, instead we ignore the alarms and we get comfortable in the dangerous place. We get safe. And so we say, I, I, I know it's not good, but I'm sticking with it. I'm staying right here in the boat. Isn't it amazing how what was terrifying to us, what was uncomfortable, quickly becomes our comfort. And we stay right there rather than meeting up with and walking with Jesus. Or maybe it's just simply not even a dangerous comfort. Maybe it's just the comfort we know. Maybe it's just the job we know, the path we know, the thing we know. And we feel safe there. And so we just say, I, I, I'm staying here. I'm staying in this situation in my life. I, I'm just going to stay here. Y'all go on. I'm going to just stay here. Mark says the 11 didn't put it together. And so they just stayed there. None of them, none of them walked on water except for Peter. And yes, yes, Peter, he sank. But Jesus immediately grabbed him, immediately. Yes, Peter sank. But Peter walked on water. None of the others did that. None of the others ever would. None of the others or anyone else ever has. They missed out. They kept their comfort. And once again, it was true. Keepers, weepers, losers, finders. Peter chose to lose his comfort and to walk with Jesus right into the unknown. We end with this this morning.
What comfort have you been choosing instead of climbing out of your boat and walking to meet Jesus where he is? What comfort have you been choosing instead of climbing out of your boat and walking to meet Jesus where he is? We're going to end this morning with one very difficult step in three parts. One very difficult step, but we're asking you to take this week. And here it is. This week, will you be brave enough to answer that question? Will you be brave enough to answer that question? What comfort have you been choosing instead of climbing out of your boat and walking to meet Jesus where he is? Will you be brave enough to answer that question this week? And here's the second part. Will you be brave enough to lose your comfort and to step outside of the boat? Will you be brave enough to answer the question? Then will you be brave enough to step out of the boat and to leave that comfort? And here's the third part. Will you simply send me a text or an email or a Facebook private message this week and tell me about it when you step out. Just message me and tell me about it. What comfort have you been choosing instead of climbing out of your boat and walking with Jesus where he wants you to meet him? Let's pray. Father, May we connect the dots of your scripture and what you have done. God, may we trust that you are who you tell us that you are. And may we trust that you will do what you said that you will do. Father, may we be willing to recognize what comfort we are choosing to hang on to, which is ultimately going to cause us to lose. And Father... May we be willing to lose that comfort and experience walking with you wherever you decide to walk. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard today. And God, we ask that you would give us the courage to do it. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, we pray. Amen.